Pedersen scores! Surveys, nowhere to go, and back in the end zone, touchdown! What a catch by Tyler Lockett! Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 15, I believe, of the Avid Discussers podcast. You know who it is. It's your boys. I'm Joshua Ray, joined by Ty Party. Ty, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. And uh, other than, you know, the events that have happened in the world that obviously, you know, make you, make you, uh, make you, you know, reflect on everything, let's just say. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a pretty reflective mood. After like the whole events in the world from yesterday and even continuing on today, but we're going to talk about those a bit later in the show. We talked about it a bit last night, but we are going to talk a little about some sports a bit. So that's what we're going to do. We are all sport, our sports guests after all. And don't worry, we will be talking about these issues eventually later in the episode. So it looks like it is going to be postponed, but Vancouver Canucks and the Vegas Golden Knights uh, game three, their series is tied. And in game one, the Canucks were just, they just got their butts kicked. Five nothing. Uh, they couldn't, couldn't, uh, they couldn't get anything past Vegas' defense or Robin Lehner. Uh, the Vegas' top six and even their, their bottom six, they were all over them. And, uh, it was just not a good performance all around. And, uh, no, Ryan Reeves, uh, with his chirping and all that, uh, containing him is not the answer. It's about scoring goals. Oh, and by the way, the broadcast acted like Ryan Reeves was Connor McDavid 2.0. And if you didn't know, if that was your first time watching hockey that night, you would think Ryan Reeves is like the best player in the league. But the Canucks, they eventually didn't have to worry about Ryan Reeves. They scored. They actually figured out to score some goals. They scored five against Robin L- Well, Laner Four against Robin Lehner, actually. One was an empty net. And uh, the Canucks top six got going. Tyler Toffoli, missing, what, 10 games with his, I believe, a foot injury. He, nine seconds into his first shift, he scored. He also got got another assist, and I believe he got another one as well. Elias Pedersen got going. He scored that beautiful goal on Robin Lehner, and Lehner is probably still looking for his jock strap to this day. Uh, Bo Horvat, another multi-goal game. And he, he for a time, I think it's changed now. He's um, at least he's at least at the top of 
or close to the top of NHL scoring. And Jacob Markstrom, once again, was Jacob Markstrom. Made some unreal saves to keep the Canucks in it. So the Canucks, they got to contain Vegas' top six once again because they weren't happy. I'm pretty sure they weren't happy about their game two loss. And uh, game three, whenever that happens, they're going to come out firing on all cylinders. And the Canucks, they got to score some goals. They got to find a way to shut down guys like Mark Stone, for example, and uh, Marsh is so. Max Pacioretty. And they got to continue the, with the top six of themselves to find a way to score goals, get the power play going. Markstrom, he's got to be sharp. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Overall, I think this is going to be a very tight series. This could go six, seven. I'm not sure if the Canucks can win it, though, but I wouldn't be surprised if they will. Ty, you can offer in your takes. Um, I thought that, again, I, I've said it multiple times, Ryan Reeves is not the answer. Um, I thought that the big thing, again, was the big thing about this is, is the top six going to perform in their matchups. Um, even in that game, I thought, uh, I'm not being negative, I'm just saying I thought that it was uh, too close. Um, it, it was too close in a sense of they almost, it's not sustainable how they won there. Um, you look at like Horvat, 25% Corsi. Uh, Besser, 33. You know, Pedersen line, they, they did play well, I thought. Um, that's a big uh, big matchup, you know, in terms of how they're going to beat Vegas. Um, you know, when we look at the Canucks, Vegas dominated them from a possession standpoint. They blocked a lot of shots, though. Um, that's why, you know, if you look at, like, basic shots, it was a lot closer, I think. Um, but, like, the, the carlson Patrelli line, like a 72% course, he had even even strength, um, Riley Smith line. That was a, I think they, they got outplayed, um, 41% core seat, even strength. A little surprised by that. Um, I don't have the exact, uh, matchups. I, let me go double check. I, I think when they go at home, I'd expect the Pedersen line to match up against Pacioretty, uh, eventually when this game does happen. Um, in that game, they were matched up a lot against the uh, Marcia So and Riley Smith line uh, when Vegas the last change. Uh, I think w- without uh, when when Pedersen was matched up against Riley Smith, he actually did perform very well, uh, about a seventy one percent Corsi. When they matched up against the Patrick line again, they actually did also sixty two and sixty six percent Corsi. So again, like Pedersen's your line that you're gonna have to match up to it with when you go against the top guys. We look at how Horvat matched up against them. He normally patched up, matched up against the Patrick Stone line, and he had a 15% Corsi. Um, big difference. Uh, he got out the shot attempts when Horvat was on the ice against him were 18 to 4. Uh, it's a pretty significant margin, even if you consider that they were down. Um, even against the Riley Smith and Marsh, so 36% Corsi. Um, I thought Horvat did get out shot quite a bit when he was on the ice. The big thing though was like so like in the end, um, the high danger chances at even strength nine to nine it was even. Um, the only thing was if you look at the actual like scoring chances, um, thirty one to eighteen at even strength for Vegas at sixty three percent. You look at your court your core seat, it was sixty three percent. They weren't getting up close opportunities like in terms of in the crease. They were getting high quality chances though. Um, 
if we look at the total um, expected goals for um, the Canucks on their power play really, I would say it won that game in the sense that um, they had, you know, the expected goals were slightly in the favor of the Canucks about even um, on the PK though. Uh, the Canucks. Yeah. About even again, even strength expected goals are 55 to 44 uh, percent for Vegas. Um, big thing again, I think was Markstrom really played well uh, again. You look at that, uh, you know, they won, they won 5-2. And Vegas had 3.38 expected goals for. Um, the, and then the Canucks had 3.7. Um, so Markstrom with another, you know, their one, he another had another goal saved about expected, which uh, generally is a good predictive of how go- well a goalie played. So at the end of the day, I think I'd like to see the, the possession numbers be a little bit more in Vancouver's favor for like the sustainability, I guess. Vancouver really, I, I thought the second period was where Markstrom won them the game. Um, shot attempt, I'd say the shot attempts were 50 to 11. Um, 81% Corsi for Vegas at even strength. That's pretty damn high. Um, they came back in the, uh, in the third period, even though they were, uh, they were up. Uh, shot attempts were 25 to 22 for Vegas. Um, it, you know, if, if, the course, if the shot attempts are like relatively like, you know, around those numbers, I'd, I'd say Vancouver can win like that because they have such a significant goalie advantage. It's not when you're getting out shot, shot attempts are 50 to 11 that you are going to win though. Um, the high danger chances were eight to two in that period as well. Um, in terms of it, that's, that's including power play and everything. I, I'd say again, you know, summary again was their top six. I'd say the Pedersen line play played well. Um, going to need them to play at that pace again. Uh, the power play is going to have to perform like the way they did again. Um, and we'll, we'll see what happens after that, I guess. So, you know, 1-1, uh, one, one, and if they put they put Flurry in, we'll see what happens. Um, if they, I, I wouldn't do that personally, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. And, yeah, you mentioned that second period, the Vegas was totally outplaying the Canucks, and 80, 83% Corsi for Vegas. They... They look poised to make it 2-2, and they could have. But Jacob Markstrom, once again, uh, he came up big. And without without him, the Canucks probably would have lost that game. And uh, who knows? We, we'd be talking about a 2-0 hole. But another – Markstrom, probably the biggest X factor uh, behind, like, Patterson for – in my opinion, he has been very good. So uh, we're sticking with um, how um, if if the game is going to happen or not. It's, it looks likely that the game will be postponed, but or we'll talk about we we are talking about game three whenever it will happen, whether it's tomorrow next week, but um. Let's see what happens. And uh, I do true think that the Canucks aren't going to go down quietly in this series because they, they've always, like in this postseason, uh, there's an uh, ambulance outside, but in this postseason, the Canucks have been very good at bouncing back after a loss. And part of that has to go to Travis Green for matching his lines, for adjusting. And I guess whatever whatever he's saying in the locker room, must have helped you too, because 
not 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 just because, not mainly because of him, but one of the reasons has to be his coaching. He, uh, Ty, you and I, we kind of rag on him a bit for some of his decisions, but you got to give credit where credit is due because he has been coaching pretty darn well uh, throughout the playoffs so far. Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, yeah there's some deployment stuff that that's not perfect, but like. If you look at the entire package of what Green's brought together, uh, I think he's been he's been in the conversation for one of the better coaches in the playoffs. I, I'd even go as far to say that. Um, you know, I wouldn't say like I, I wouldn't say the best. I, I'd say like he's in terms of what he has available to him and what he's doing with what he has available to him. I'd say that's what makes me have more faith in him as a coach. Um, uh, I, I I don't know what else to add to that. I'd say like there's some system stuff he's already said he wants to fix next year, but there's just not enough time to to drill everything and and implement it. Yeah, one of the better coaches in the playoffs. And uh, so once again, game three, whenever it'll happen, uh, likely not going down tonight. But I'm gonna talk a little bit about some soccer here because you know I love my soccer. So Alfonso Davies, the former Vancouver Whitecaps. Phenomenon. Uh, went to, of course, you all know, he signed for Bayern Munich. He is now one of the best left backs in the world. And now he has won the biggest prize in European soccer, the UEFA Champions League, with Bayern Munich. And it's great to see how far he has come because from a kid in Edmonton, um, actually, I think he was born in Ghana, but came to Edmonton as a refugee. He uh, learned to play soccer there. And then at the age of 15, uh, signed for the Whitecaps youth program. He excelled there. At the age of 16, he played his first MLS game. He scored some goals for the Whitecaps and then eventually signed for Bayern. Now, he's not even 20 yet. He's still the best left back, one of the best left backs in the world, and now is a European champion with Bayern Munich. So it really, really is great to see see a Canadian um, make international headlines like that. Because Canadian soccer, uh, we're not really the biggest name in the world when it comes to soccer. We're a hockey country, first and foremost. I guess curling, too, because we're pretty good at that. But you got, you got stuff like the Canadian Premier League that's starting to, to grow. MLS teams, the Whitecaps, Toronto FC, Montreal Impact, now Alfonso Davies. He's, he's taking the world by storm. And he, as a Canadian, it's really great to see, you know, it really is. And, of course, we've got to talk about my team, Chelsea. Yesterday, it was confirmed they signed Ben Chilwell from Leicester for about £50 million. And overall, I like the deal. I'm glad they didn't pay £80 million for him because he is not worth that much. Could have been another Harry Maguire. But um, good thing, too. He is a good left back. He has promise. Uh, he can score goals. He can defend pretty well. So it'll be interesting to see. And Chelsea aren't done. They got Ziek. They got Werner. And uh, Kai Havertz is happening. It hasn't been confirmed yet. It looks like it'll be $80 million plus $20 million in add-ons. So $100 million, pounds, which will be the biggest transfer in Chelsea's history. And they also signed uh, Saar from Lille on a loan. 
and um, they all they need is probably another center back and a goalkeeper to replace Keppa because, you know, I'm done with him. So whether that's like Andre Onana, Nick Pope, or even Jan Omblak, all good options. It better be a good goalkeeper that can make some saves because if Chelsea do get make some more good signings, they could be a title contender. And uh, I, I got to talk about Lionel Messi too. He has, it's been confirmed that he wants to leave Barcelona and I can't believe it. It's the end of the road. Like his last game was an 8-2 thrashing against Bayern. And I can't imagine seeing Messi in another jersey beside Barcelona because he spent pretty much his entire career there. It's like Brady leaving the Patriots. Or um, it was it's like Joe Thornton leaving the show. No, no, not even. Like think of Sidney Crosby not in a Penguins jersey. That's how that's how um significant this is. So Man City are like the rumored likely destination. Chelsea are even involved. That'd be great if that happens, but I'm not sure if it will. And uh, it will be interesting to see because 2020 is wild. Brady is not no longer a Patriot and Messi is no, no longer going to be an FC Barcelona player. And Barcelona's board has to be blamed for this. That Bartomeu guy, he needs to go. Like poor signings, Ousmane uh, Dembele, Antoine Griezmann, Philippe Coutinho, all poor signings. Uh, losing in the Champions League, like blowing leads, spotling, not building a good team around Messi. It's, I think it, I think that's what frustrated him the most. And there's no, it's a good reason that he wants to leave. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. So I'll end it there for the soccer talk. And of course, we got to talk about what's going on in this world with the Black Lives Matter movement and sports and the NBA. Um, postponing their games yesterday and postponing tonight's games as well. The playoffs will resume for the NBA, but they are postponed as of now. And Larry Brooks of the New York Post, uh, reporter there, you know, the guy who constantly trolled Tortorella in his post conferences, he reports that the Canucks were the driving force behind the ultimate position taken by players to postpone the games tonight. So, as we mentioned off the top, looks like the games for hockey won't be happening either. And I am proud of this Vancouver Canucks team. That's my hockey team. They're taking a stand of what's right. And they're leading by example. We are all Canucks today. Ty, you're, you've been really vocal about this, so this whole situation. You, uh, we'd like to hear your thoughts. Um. So, again, the report just came up basically that the Canucks may be a driving force in postponing the NHL games today. Uh, I think, you know, that does make me proud in the sense of I hope that's true. And it's not, it's not about canceling the games, you know, just to cancel them. Um, you're, you know, you're canceling them to send a message that we as a nation have to look you know, we have to look, we have to look inwards and figure out how we can combat racism. Um, and it's not, it's not saying that, that we can fix in a day. Um, 
this is a generational issue. Uh, it's not going to be something that we fix overnight again, as I just said. Um, this is something that we have to educate um, the next generation and the generation after that, um, that there isn't a difference between anybody else. Um, you know, and that's one of the things that I, I, I'm really vocal about because I hate that we discriminate others for their skin color or their gender or how much their income is or that the end of the day, we're all human beings. And um, that's the hardest thing for a lot of people to realize and having hockey to suck us away from the reality that is real, that I've just basically mentioned. Why should we deserve that? If, um, if our police officers, I'd say like, if the police officers in the U.S. are anywhere really are just going to um, just going to just go out there and murder people because of their skin color. Um, and I'd say like I saw a tweet and it made a lot of sense. Um, and this isn't everybody, but it's a systemic problem. Um, and, and we've become accustomed to it that we don't even realize um, realize it exists unless you really dive deep and, and, and realize like, damn, this, this shit exists. Like um, I, I was reading the other day and basically talking about uh, white privilege and um, you know, it made me really think it's like, wow, I'm part of the problem <laughs> in a sense. Right. Like you think like um, I don't have to, I, I can go to a grocery store and I don't have to worry about not making it home or, or getting pulled over here. Like we, nobody in the world should have to worry about that. Um, and I saw another tweet talking about um, basically in the U S it's like, you just get the bullies from high school and they give them, you know, training on firearms. They don't give them any training on how to deescalate a situation. Um, and, and here, obviously we have more training, but it doesn't mean that racism doesn't exist here. It doesn't mean that police brutality doesn't exist here. There's been plenty of examples over these, this last couple months of the pandemic of police brutality in Canada. Um, videos everywhere. Um, when is this problem going to be fixed? There's no answer to that question. Um, can we be part of the solution to fix the problem, even though we don't know when it'll be fixed? Yeah, we can. Um, it, again, it, we don't deserve we don't deserve to be sucked away from the reality that is by watching sports um, at this point and postponing postponing doesn't mean that we're going to cancel sports forever it means that we have to postpone something and reflect and shine issues on something so that obviously I I know we you don't want to get political Josh but like our leaders have to take action in this um, everywhere. They have to take action. Can I, because... can I butt in here saying that this isn't even politics anymore? This, this isn't, we're not even being political here. This is about human rights. This is about people's lives on the here. This is, and, and our leaders have to, uh, our uh, politicians have to take action because, um, you know, when, when, a, when an athlete is the main one leading a charge against racism and po politicians aren't doing anything, something has to change. Um, and, and, you know, people say, vote for this guy or that guy. I mean, like, you know, that's part of the solution. But eventually it has to, something has to give, right? We, we can't 
keep raising everybody like to just turn a blind eye to racism and white privileged and this, um, you know, it all comes down to, you know, educating the next generation and the generation after that. And, and, and a lot hard, a lot, and a lot of people are, are just raised to ignore it and raised incorrectly and, and, and breaking that cycle is hard. Um, and we have to break that cycle. I'm trying to get the right words for it. I can't figure out all the right words to say. <laughs> Sorry. No, I think you got it. Yeah, like, like it, what people are not getting is uh, postponing the games for a bit does not mean racism is over or we're going to cancel the games forever. No, no, it's not that. It's about sending a message. It's about raising awareness and uh, calling on to people to... And what and what AV said today was pretty yeah. fucking ignore it, and I like him, right? Yeah, I was fucking ignore it. Oh, well, what did he say? Saying like he basically said, cut off from I the don't outside world. I don't. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, I don't know what's going on in the outside world. And you know that's fucking part. That's fucking part of the problem, right? Don't you? That's part of the problem. That's part of the problem. That's why hockey culture is so late to stuff. It's stuff like that, right? It's like you know what's going on in the outside world. You don't want to believe what's going on in the outside world. Yeah, and uh, don't don't tell me like, oh, we've been cut off because we're in like in the bubble, all that. No, yes. you have like how many hours a day watching? You know what's the internet going on. there, right? You don't so want to he, believe. It. You know, he knows what's going on. He doesn't want to believe what's going on. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, you know, Evander Kane's had whatever problems. Like he's freaking leading the charge against racism in, in a white man's sport. That's really, I, I really have a lot of respect for him doing that, and I'm really yeah. pulling for. For, for the NHL to actually listen to him. Otherwise, it's going to be Kaepernick situation again where you're going to come back five years from now and say, yeah, we, we were wrong. And it's like, well, you had the option to listen to him. Everyone was telling you to listen to him, and you ignored him. Yeah. It's uh, – yeah, I hope it doesn't – hope Kane doesn't, like, lose his, his job because of this. And they got to listen. Like the he's good. Got, he won't lose his job. That's yeah. the problem. That's the at least that's the benefit of it. Yeah, it's the league's got to listen. Too good of a hockey player to lose his job. Politicians got to listen, and we don't really get a lot of politicians speaking out of this. We got mostly got athletes, and not even just athletes. Well, like, even like Kelly Rudy and stuff. Like Kelly and, Rudy. and Elliot, Fre- Elliot Friedman jumped in and, and and supported him. Like and Cassie Campbell did. Uh, I think she did. She I don't did. I think. Chris, Christine Simpson did. Christine uh, Simpson, that's who it was. Um, and I mean, like, these are guys you wouldn't expect to actually, these are like hockey culture carriers. Like, like and, and seeing these guys flip the switch, you know, something's changing. Um, it, it doesn't matter if, it, if it's going to take slowly. It, it's, it's a process that we got to keep picking away at. And, you know, I don't care if I have a small audience or a small, um, the small crowd that I'm talking to. It doesn't matter. If I educate that one person on how to change something, I've done my job. And if I raise the next generation to the same way, I, you know, to, to treat everybody equally and, and not discriminate anybody, I've done my job. Yeah, we are using our podcast, our Twitter accounts to hopefully educate at least a few people on this. And uh, if that happens, then all good but we would like everyone to get educated on this and i saw a tweet last night saying we don't want to live in a world where 
racism exists, but we want to live in a world where everyone is anti-racist. And uh, it's athletes are using their their status to get the message across. Uh, analysts too, reporters, uh, not even just athletes. I'm pretty sure actors have been using their platforms, and musicians have as well, because they because they want to create change. So um, we already got people. I'm sure we've already lost listeners because of last night's mini segment, and we already got one person person that blocked us. Oh fuck and, them! Goodbye. We won't miss you, but. Yeah, that was the same guy that told me that was trying to argue to me that um, because we live in Canada, we don't have uh, racism. And I basically told him, like, just screw off, buddy. And, and that's why we're blocked, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you can go back, go back, and, and read read what I sent to him. I, I thought it was, I thought it was the right answer to say. I, I, I debated not even saying anything, but like, I, I couldn't stand by and just the the freaking blatant ignorant. Yeah, these people ignorant, whatever it was. So, you know, I blocked him right away after. But uh, go back and read it if you like. Um, I, I've, you know, I've tweeted a lot. I apologize for the language, but I'm pretty vocal, and I'm, I get frustrated by this stuff, and and I, I'm again like I'm of white privilege. Like I, why I, I just want I want change. I don't like that we're so divided as a society. And people are fine with this. I, I hate that we're this divided. I do too, even especially as a person of color that we're this divided and people can't open their eyes to see that racism still exists in Canada and around the world in the year 2020. And there, it kind of blows my mind that pe- people think it, that it's just a myth or a hoax or whatever they freaking call it. You gotta see. There's there's tons of evidence. There's videos. There's uh, articles across the internet that prove this. And as I mentioned last night, here in Vancouver, even a diverse, a very diverse city, and a place you and I are proud to call home. Uh, we got racism against Asian people because of this pandemic, and which included a Filipino woman being uh, being shoved not too far from where I live. So, uh, you really got to wake up here. And the NBA, they aren't going to play any games today. Not sure about MLB or any other sports leagues. But uh, I don't think there should be sports on today, at least. Uh, People should spend the day reflecting, like learning on why this matters, and uh, using their platforms to raise awareness, spread the message so we can all come together and end racism and hopefully put an end to all this and police brutality as well. And people are saying, oh, you've left, you neo-Marxist, the yada, 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 all that. It's This isn't even a political issue anymore. This is a human rights issue. You can't, we can't have, have, be having cops kill people on the streets because of what they look like. We got cops are supposed to protect us and serve us, not kill us. It's 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 baffling to to see this still happening. And uh I'm I've been losing followers on Twitter because I care about black lives 
And I think they Were matter. Were they really even followers to begin with? Exactly. And uh, sooner or later, my mentions are going to blow up if I tweet something about this or retweet something about this. And uh, if, if uh, you're unfollowing me or Ty or the podcast account, so long. Hope you hope you wake up and get educated. And we go back to hockey for a bit. You know, we both love hockey, but it's the NHL. We hate like the league, the NHL, and hockey culture in general. Yeah, the way they're handling this, it's like it's like using it for marketing, like the we skate for a quality thing or whatever. Kind of a marketing slogan, not they're not trying to create change. Of course, we got the yeah. They were essential. They were essentially every single you know, um, every single marketing campaign for equality or change in society. The NHL has used as a marketing campaign, um, and that's embarrassing. At the end of the day, like this, we skate for Black Lives. No, it's it essentially basically they they meant nothing with their reflection yesterday it was basically nothing and like that moment make, of... make a change right like yeah, like that... make your stance and yeah, you know you obviously know where i would stand on it and you would stand but at least at least make an effort to change um and, and i just saw evander kane and the alliance are trying to to obviously put some funding into um combating uh I'd say education, education for the next stuff. Decade at least, a hundred million dollars, and the NHL won't sign it. Do it. NHL won't sign it. They have the money to do it, but Um, they won't do it. And there's also another tweet saying, uh, "Forgot what it's 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 like a little meme saying, if all lives matter to you, then Black Lives Matter shouldn't trigger you.' That's it's a great message to get across." And uh, fighting for Patrick Johnston also tweeted fighting for a better world isn't about speaking. It often feels like that what many think matters most actions are what counts make this world a place every day through simple decency. So it's really not that hard like to sign some petitions, read, volunteer if you can, uh, retweet stuff about this issue tweet about them using twitter or instagram or facebook or snapchat or whatever social media platform you have it's really not that hard and matt dumba he went on 650 yesterday and uh, he let me bring it up here he says the nhl was always last to the party especially on these topics and hundred percent agree. He was, he was, I guess, one of the only players to take action by raising his fist um, during the anthem, making a speech, and all that. So, even though Matt Dumba plays for the Wild, you gotta respect the guy because for what he's doing off the ice. And it's with with NHL and NBA going to be postponed. It's not the end of the world. We spent what four months without sports because of the pandemic. 
most we can handle is like a, a week or two or a few days. So, um, we should spend the next while reflecting and learning about this because racism doesn't, it can't exist in our society in the year 2020. And uh, everyone deserves to be treated equally and not discriminated because of the color of their skin. And no, nobody should be shot by cops because of what they look like. And this is what we're using this platform for, for this episode and for last night. And if you don't like it, um, I'm sorry. You got anything else to add? I think we've covered it. Yeah. Um, we're going to do an interview about these issues, obviously. And we're also going to talk about uh, our guest's love for sports, his broadcasting career, and all that. His name is Ben Steiner, and he's the editor-in-chief of 49sports.com. Stay tuned for that. Guys, uh, joining us for our feature guest this week is a U Sports expert, and he knows not just about hockey, but pretty much almost any sport you can think of. And he helped design our logo for the podcast, so big thanks to him. His name is Ben Steiner. He is the editor in chief of Forty Nine Sport dot com, a contributor for the Canuck Way, and he makes content for the Kingston Frontenac of the OHL and Canada Alpine Skiing as well. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Thanks for welcoming me to the podcast, guys. Happy to talk about really any sports that we're talking about. Of course, uh, we don't know whether hockey's going to go tonight. We're recording uh, as everything sort of goes down with the Black Lives Matter movement, but we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, we'll get to that eventually. But our first question here is, how did you become a, a fan of sports? Wow, a fan of sports. That's uh, I thought you were going to ask a fan of you sports, and that's a much more straightforward, more recent answer, but uh, fan of sports, I think it, it was really when I was little, I guess hockey was sort of my main first passion. And I went to a game when I was three years old with my mom, who has uh, passed away since then. And uh, I was immediately asking questions. Even as a three-year-old, I was asking, what's the blue line? What's offside? Uh, like, why is the, why are there people shoveling the ice and stuff like that? Uh, things that a three-year-old wonders at a hockey game. And so I was wondering that, uh, she got a book that was uh, Hockey for Dummies um, th- uh, from that series. And uh, I remember my dad and I, we didn't like the word uh, Hockey for Dummies. And so we took a piece of tape and we put over the D in Dummies and put M. So it was Hockey for Mummies, um, which was sort of funny. Uh, and so I guess that's sort of how I got into sports was originally I showed a bit of interest. My mom uh, then uh, took part in that interest and it's really grown from there and I started skiing and getting exposed to different sports, but hockey was definitely sort of my first passion. 
Um, and what made you want to, you know, start creating sports content and sharing your insight in the game, you know, becoming a writer um, and having your own show? So there's a whole bunch of things. I mean, I wanted to find something that had to do with working in sports. And it really started off with, I saw people were writing about sports and I didn't really know how to get into it. This was around, I guess, eight years old. Uh, I started doing this and I then uh, spoke to my uncle, who's a journalism professor at the University of Toronto. And he said, just start blogging or start writing and printing it out or something. So I started what I called the Vancouver paper. It was a one sided thing. And I had a bunch of little stories on it. Uh, and I handed that out to my class every day. Uh, in I guess that was grade three. And then in grade four, I won a raffle competition to become the uh, post media's Canucks reporter for a day. And so I got to uh, be asking Eleven Yo, uh, Henrik Sedin, Corey Schneider uh, questions. That was really my first journalism experience and uh, just trying to work my way back to the NHL after starting in the NHL, which is sort of funny. Um, but I don't really know how it started. I just know that it started early and I've really wanted to continue doing that. And you are big when it comes to U Sports. What's so interesting about U Sports and why did you want to cover it? It's largely uncovered and I figured... Why would you listen to me about the Canucks? I'm not putting in the same work as David Quadrelli, Chris Faber. I'm not focusing on one thing like the Canucks. And so there's no reason why people would want to listen to me about the Canucks and I'm not an authoritative voice. But you sports, there's nobody covering that. And so I can become the one voice, the authoritative voice on you sports, become the guy when it comes to university sports in Canada and covering them. And so I took that under my wing and I've just, I've, jumped right into it. And there's maybe one other guy, Victor Finley, who covers U sports at the depth I do. He's a bit older, a graduate of the Ryerson program I'm in actually. Uh, and I'm commentating on the Ryerson hockey game. So I'm immediately doing that. And I figured if I can get enough knowledge that I can talk about these players, like you would Sidney Crosby and you know all about him, then that's an advantage to me in not just broadcasting, but maybe I can gain a bit of a following, build a bit of a reputation for myself and show that if I can do it at U sports, why can't I do it in the WHL or the NHL even? Uh, and so while Victor Finley, he was the original U sports insider, uh, AKA the Bob McKenzie of U sports. I've had some people uh, call me the Elliot Friedman of U sports, even though that's definitely a bit of a big compliment because I don't consider myself nowhere near Elliot Freeman yet. Um, obviously uh, the big news was um, the U sports getting canceled in the fall. Um, how tough has it been to put out U sports content um, w without having basically U sports this fall? <laughs> yeah, for a few days there in June, sort of between June 6, when I first reported that Canada West was going to be canceling, uh, and then I guess June 10 or 11, uh, it all started to boil down. That week was hectic, absolutely crazy. I was making uh, radio and TV appearances basically coast to coast on various podcasts, radio shows, TV shows. Uh, video shows, a whole bunch of different things, as well as creating content and reporting uh, for 49 Sport, which is uh, the website I run covering uh, Canadian University sports and new sports. Um, so that week was absolutely hectic when everything started to come down. Uh, and since then, it's been tough to create new sports content. I won't uh, sugarcoat it at all. Um, with the Canadian Elite Basketball League, they resumed in a bubble in St. Catharines a couple months ago. And we had a few writers who were covering that summer series, as they called it. Um, 
and the Fraser Valley Bandits right here in, in the uh, Lower Mainland, they did quite well as, as well. They made the final and lost to Edmonton. Uh, but we had a few guys covering that. And there's a lot of uh, university and U sports alumni in that. So we can sort of say, okay, Ryerson Rams alum, uh, Miles Charvis did this in the game. So that was easy to cover. And there were a lot of those. Uh, and the same thing right now with the Canadian Premier League, they're doing a bubble in Charlotte, in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island. Uh, and there's a lot of U sports alumni playing in the Canadian Premier League, that's soccer. Uh, and so that has sort of kept us afloat for now, uh, as well as some feature pieces, uh, more taking a look at the personalities behind U sports, but it's definitely not as easy as covering games would be. And we don't have that for another four months at least. And you have also worked for other sports outlets, including most recently the Kingston Frontenacs. How has that been so far? So I really didn't follow the OHL before uh, I got on with the Kingston Frontenacs, but since joining them, I've learned really everything there is to know about the Kingston Frontenacs. Okay. Maybe not everything there is to know, but uh, I've definitely uh, researched a lot about the Kingston Frontenacs. I could talk about the Kingston Frontenacs for a couple hours, really. Um, but it's been great. Uh, a couple guys there have welcomed me on. Um, we announced a new general manager, new head coach, Paul McFarland. He's leaving the Maple Leafs to come, come to Kingston. Um, and it's been great. Uh, they've really given me the flexibility to do what I want, create the content I want uh, for their website. And uh, I'm very proud to be in the Kingston Frontenacs organization and representing them and telling the stories of the hockey club to the community of Kingston and beyond. Um, and of, of course, on this podcast, we had to talk about the Canucks. Uh, what did you make of their first two games? And, uh, you know, eventually when we play game three, what do you think you, what do you think they'll make of that one? Well, I mean, you can't have two games that were very different than each other. Uh, the first game they got absolutely smacked. Like there was nothing good to take out of that first game. Um, five, nothing. The scoreline wasn't great or it was actually pretty darn bad. It wasn't just not great. Uh, and like they're, they were completely outplayed. I don't totally buy into the whole Ryan Reeves chirping narrative. I mean, sure, he's an annoying player, but Antoine Roussel can be just as annoying. Um, but that's not going to make or break a game, right? It's not chirps that make or break a game. It's goals. And uh, the Canucks figured out how to do that in the second game. Uh, and the best players need to be the best players, as uh, many people have spoken about before. Um, and what happens? Elise Pedersen shows up. He nearly tears uh, Robin Letter's hamstring, scores a beautiful goal. Uh, and Bo Horvat gets on the score sheet, a whole bunch of good players, they step up and the Canucks win the game. So that's what the Canucks need to do against a Vegas team that is better than them. I don't think anyone is going to debate that the Canucks are not, or that Vegas is better than the Canucks. Do you think the Canucks could actually win the series against Vegas? They definitely could. Um, they beat St. Louis, the cup champs, Take that for what you will. Of course, their general manager coming out yesterday saying COVID might have played a factor in that. But you never know exactly what you're going to find with this Canucks team. They can be really on off. You see the first game against Vegas, 5-0. Five, five second game, 5-2. So it really depends what's going to happen. I think game three, whenever it does happen, uh, definitely not looking like it's happening tonight, is going to uh, be an exciting game because the teams will show up. One both teams have had their aces. If you think of this as a tennis match, U S open coming up, uh, they've both held serve first of all. And now we're going to see who's really the better player. Uh, if you're looking at that series, who do you think, uh, the next factor would be for the Canucks? 
I mean, you got to think of the best players being the X factors for the Canucks. It's hard not to say Elias Pettersson and Bo Horvat and JT Miller and maybe even Tyler Toffoli now that he's come back. It's hard to see the Canucks winning the series if those guys don't score. Jay Beagle scores once every, what, 40 games? Same with Tyler Mott for the most part, other than uh, his last little run of form. So, I mean, Vegas, I would say, is going to win the series. Um, but the Canucks will put up a fight, and I think their best players will have to be the X Factor because there really isn't anybody else who could be. And you covered the Whitecaps a bit, and you covered Alfonso Davies when he was with the Whitecaps. Now he is a European champion with Bayern Munich, and what do you make of that? So I actually have a very funny Alfonso Davies story that wasn't while I was covering the Whitecaps. It was actually... I was working for UBC Athletics and I was covering a women's soccer game against UNBC. It was a pouring raining night. Uh, they weren't playing at the stadium because I think there was a football game at the stadium that day. And so it was pouring rain. Uh, it was like late November. So it was, uh, or I guess late October. Uh, and it was raining. It was cold. Absolutely miserable. I, I don't envy the players who were playing that night. And I brought a little tent and I pitched it on the sidelines of the pitch. Um, because it wasn't at the stadium, just to stay dry. And midway through the game, a guy comes and knocks on the uh, tent and asks if he can come in just to get out of the rain and stay a bit warm because he's watching the match too. And who is it but Theo Bear and Alfonso Davies? Um, so sort of funny that uh, the guy who wanted to come sit in the tent with me on the sidelines of a UBC soccer game just two years ago is now a UEFA Champions League champion. Sorry, my mic's on mute. <laughs> um, what is the Canadian Premier League and, you know, why should somebody get invested in it? The Canadian Premier League is Canada's top division of soccer. The Whitecaps, TFC, and Montreal Impact, they play in the U.S. first division, um, whereas the CPL is the FIFA-sanctioned Premier League first division of Canadian soccer. Uh, fully professional teams across the country. There's eight now with the new expansion team, Atletico Ottawa, who are actually owned by Atletico Madrid, the big European club. And it's really what is going to make Canada a good footballing country. Uh, all the leagues that have had success have their own leagues. You just have to look back to the U.S. When they hosted the World Cup, they brought out MLS, and they've done well since then. They've improved into what, regularly one of sort of the top 20 countries in the world. Um, and say what you will about their style of play, about the players, uh, and about MLS. But if you take a look at the U.S. pre-MLS and post-MLS, they're a hell of a lot better now than they were then. And that's sort of what we're trying to get with the Canadian Premier League. It's required professional playing time for Canadian players who wouldn't otherwise be getting an opportunity. That's pretty interesting. And hopefully I can get some, get watch some Canadian Premier League matches as well. And the Whitecaps have been playing as of late and they are playing too well. What do you think has been the problem there for them? Oh man, the Whitecaps, that's a issue. Um, there are so many problems uh, with the team, with the club. Um, it's really hard to dissect. They basically can't create scoring chances, whatever they try. Um, when the ball goes into the final third, well, first of all, it doesn't. But if it does, it basically just suffocates and curls up and finds its way back. Guys like Russell Tybert, they've been dedicated to the club for 10 years, but all they can do is pass backwards. And the, the roster's turned over year to year managers go in and out uh it, there's so many so much inconsistency with the white caps um that it has just turned to regular losing um it is to my understanding well not my understanding but um 
I, I didn't know this but that you covered uh, alpine spe- alpine skiing for uh, Alpine Canada. Uh, what draws you to skiing, um, and also what made you decide to cover on top of like the a billion other sports you covered? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I definitely am fairly busy with a bit of a wide range of sports. But for skiing and ski racing, it's been something I've done my whole life. I started uh, skiing when I was, I guess, three years old. Uh, just after I discovered hockey, actually, skiing was actually the first sport that I uh, really was learning to do. And then I ski raced for a couple of years, won a couple of BC provincial championships as well. Uh, and I was really into ski racing, got following uh, international ski racing as well. Not a sport a lot of people follow in North America, um, other outside of the Olympic Games. And so I got into that. And then I guess it was last year I wanted to start covering ski racing for some outlet. Uh, and I figured what where better to start than our national team our national program alpine canada so i reached out to them and uh, they were interested in bringing me on as a a content contributor and features writer and that's what i've been doing for uh, i guess almost a year now uh, with alpine canada Uh, so would you like to go to the olympics and cover some skiing if you had the opportunity that's my dream job i definitely want to get to the Olympic games and cover that. And even regularly be covering world cup sports uh, like the Olympic sports throughout the four year cycle uh, with the Olympics sort of being the pinnacle of that. And so whether it's dedicating myself to covering skiing at the same time as covering diving is the same kind of covering uh, biathlon. I want to do it all because one thing I've learned about U sports is I love having the multi-sport opportunities um, whether it's hockey, football, soccer, um, and while that's not necessarily what you get covering the Olympics on a four-year scale, it's something that I appreciate is the uh, diversity in all the different sports um, and the opportunities that are in each because it keeps it interesting. I think I'd get bored if I just stuck with hockey or just stuck with soccer. Um, what other Olympic sports do you like to watch or cover? I've definitely gotten into field hockey, and I know, Josh, you did a uh, – an internship with field hockey Canada, but I regularly have been watching field hockey uh, as well as the Paralympic sports um, like uh, para hockey, formerly known as sledge hockey uh, and even blind football or blind soccer uh, has been something that I've watched regularly. Um, And then of course, really all the skiing events. So ski racing, uh, freestyle skiing, ski cross, all, all of that. And I even get into curling every now and then. So I really try and find ways to tell stories in uh, any sort of, sport and a lot of the sports are in the olympics and so it's easy to find your way through that and you mentioned earlier you go to ryerson university and what has that been been like and why did you choose to go to school there so it's actually been my dream program since i guess grade eight uh, when i first heard about the sport media program here at ryerson university in toronto Uh, and i didn't really think i'd get in there's only 80 spots per year. And uh, I've heard somewhere in the range of over a thousand applicants. Um, And I was lucky in my year, uh, it was still uh, portfolio based. And so I'd done some work for uh, the Vancouver Warriors in the uh, National Lacrosse League. I'd covered the Giants. I'd been at the Canuck Way for a while as well. Uh, And so I had a lot of experience. And while my... Um, And I definitely wasn't the top 80 highest averages uh, through high school. But um, I was one of the people who had the most experience and biggest portfolio. And that sort of is what got me into the program. 
Um, now it's grades based. And so you're missing out on guys who might've had the experiences that I've had. So I feel lucky that I got in this year, um, but I've loved it so far. Living in Toronto is uh, exceptional. Last year when sports were on, I was uh, covering York nine and then going up to university of Toronto to cover U sports there. Ryerson has U sports, uh, York university has U sports. Uh, there was a ton of sporting opportunities in Toronto and I really couldn't have asked for anything better for a first year. And I can't wait for it to be back. Sorry, I, my uh, screen went blank here. Josh, can you say the next question? All right. Uh, what is the angle <laughs> for you when it comes to sports media? It's a question I've been asked a few times. I don't really know what the end goal is. I've spoken about the Olympics, and I think sort of something that's attainable and something that I'd really like to do uh, would be cover the Olympic Games for whoever the rights holder is or CBC Sports. Uh, and CBC Sports covers so many different things and really has a focus on telling stories of Canadian athletes and Canadian sports leagues. So that's a, something I would want to do. I would love to be working at CBC Sports. I can say that straight out. Um, and then as for like an end goal, somewhere high ranking at CBC Sports, or I'm also doing broadcasting. So whether it's uh, finding my way onto Hockey Night in Canada or something like that, that'd be a dream come true as well. So I have a lot of dreams like that. Um, and not really one specific. I just want to be the best I can be at anything and whatever opportunities uh, are open or come my way or I can find out, um, I'll go after those. Um, the Vancouver Canadians are not happening. Um, obviously disappointing. Um, and I wanted to get your opinion on, uh, you know, everything getting canceled and, you know, have you met up with Rob Fay and the whole bit? Uh, yeah, definitely disappointing to see the season canceled. I know uh, we definitely all expected that when everything sort of hit the fan that the minor league baseball season would be canceled. Not exactly something you can do in empty stadiums or you're not going to do a single A short season bubble in Salem-Kaiser. Um, so that that wasn't going to happen. And then MLB had all their late labor disputes as well. And that eventually did spell the end of the minor league season. Definitely heartbreaking to see that happen. Uh, when it was officially canceled, I went over to the Nat Bailey and uh, I did see Rob Fay there and we tossed the ball around uh, just for a bit. I had brought in a baseball glove just to toss it off a wall to myself. Um, so that, that was nice. Uh, of course, he has stepped down from doing the Canadians now. Um, and I think I know who the new guy is. Um, I can't say it though, um, but it's def- he's definitely going to be missed around the Nat. Uh, but I'm fully confident that uh, Canadians baseball will be back. Don't know if it's going to be back with the Blue Jays organization. That's another issue, the restructuring of minor league baseball. Um, But baseball will be back in Vancouver and it might even be back for a longer season. So, well, there might not be short season baseball and no playing the Hillsborough hops anymore uh, or the Everett Aquasox, any of the kind of funky um, names that you find in single A short season. Uh, Baseball will be back in the Nat Bailey. And I'm very confident in saying that. I got to take this next one. Um, what, what do you, again, like we were talking about baseball again, what would your, uh, walk-up song be? That's a big question on our show. We always ask that one. Ooh. Um, I love the song tequila. Uh, I don't know why. Um, I'm not a big drinker myself. Uh, but I don't know. It's just a catchy song. Um, also like really anything of the tragically hip. And I know that might sound like a bit of lip service uh, coming from the guy who works for the Kingston front next, but uh, with both being from Kingston, but I really do love the tragedy hip and 
um, maybe a, a head bias entry by the tragically hip as uh, something sort of calming. And I think by the time you get up to the plate, you want to be calm to uh, face high pitches, maybe not too uh, amped up and edgy. Any predictions for the Canucks versus Golden Knights game, whenever it happens, it doesn't have to be the actual score. Like any predictions you might have. Canucks will lose. I'm pretty confident in saying that one. Um, I think it's going to be a bit of a tennis match of a series. I said before, both, both players, both teams uh, held their ace and held serve in the first two matches, first two games. Um, and I think that'll continue to happen. Vegas will win game three. Canucks win game four, Vegas game five, Canucks game six, Vegas game seven. Uh, so I think the Canucks will bring this to the distance, um, but I do think they'll lose in seven and they'll lose the next game as well. What are your thoughts on the NBA and obviously the Black Lives Matter movement? Um, very big movement in the world. And obviously we have to talk about it on, uh, I'd say, uh, get your opinion on it. I mean, I don't have firsthand experience of uh, being a visual minority, right? I, I'm a white male and I, it's a privilege. I can't uh, directly connect to the struggles of somebody who is discriminated against. Um, I have had instances where there have been anti-Semitic comments to me, but nothing uh, like black people go through in uh, really across the world. And I fully support uh, anything. I'm o- open to listening, hearing, talking. Um, I'm really open to anything that can uh, help equality and help really anything. I, I don't really know how to put it into words uh, other than Black Lives Matter. And I'm open to doing anything to fight for equality. Um, that's great, Ben. And uh, thank you for coming on Avid Discussers. And um, you can follow Ben on Twitter at bensteiner zero zero. And check out his work for 49 Sport, the Kingston Frontenacs, Canuck Way, Alpine Canada, literally anything. He's an all-sports dude. And I recommend you give him a follow. <laughs> ben, do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap up here? Not really. All, all I just want to end off with is uh, Black Lives Matter and sports should not be playing right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, ben, once again, thank you for coming on. And we'll hope we can do this again sometime soon. Thank you very much, Josh. All right. uh, Stick around for the outro. No best and worst of Twitter uh, this week. I don't feel like it's uh, a time time for memes. you enjoyed our interview with ben steiner and no best and worst of twitter this week twitter has been a 
toxic uh, platform. I guess all social media as well. And I didn't really think think this is the time for sharing funny memes or cursed uh, memes or hockey tweets and all that. I didn't feel like it today. And because of what's going on in this world. And hopefully, if you are on social media, you are using your platform to create change for a better world. And here at us here at Avid Discussers want to as well. We, we're tired of racism. We're tired of, of black people getting shot by police. Black Lives Matter and racism must end some way. It might not be tomorrow, might not be today, but we're, we should take the steps to make this world a better place. Ty, do you have anything else to say? I think I would just pretty much say everything you just said. All right, cool. And uh, we follow the podcast account at Avid Discussers on Twitter, as well as Instagram. We're also on Facebook. You can follow me at JoshuaRay91. Ty is at TeaParty21 on Twitter and Instagram. And let us know your thoughts on this episode or, or podcast in general, your thoughts on all these issues. Give us Give us, excuse me, reviews, constructive criticism on Apple Podcasts or all the streaming platforms or on Twitter. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you take time to learn and reflect today. Peace out.